We're continuing tonight in Matthew chapter 5, so if you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Uh, as you know, this fall we've been talking about the Beatitudes, right? The first beginning, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus speaks in Matthew 5. Uh, does anybody remember some of the Beatitudes we've covered or some of the topics? Does anybody remember some of them? They're all these blessed are statements. Blessed are the... Yeah, good. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Yeah, that's what we talked about last time. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for for they shall forgive. Yeah, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. Yeah, good. Blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. Yeah, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Yeah, we've been been covering these. So now we're going to be on verse 8. We're, we're, get, we're coming into a close. Next Sunday will be our last one, but we're, we're going to continue on tonight. I'm going to read Matthew 5, but I'm going to read all the verses 1 through 8. But we'll pray, uh, uh, pay particular attention to verse 8, and that's actually on the board for us tonight. So would you stand as I read God's Word? This is what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Hear now God's Word. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Let's pray. Uh, Father, would you help us to understand what your word says and what your son Jesus says that's recorded for us in Matthew Would you help us to apply it to our lives and to see the great gift that is your grace? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Okay, so by show of hands, who here spills things on their clothes a lot besides me? I I do it a lot, right? Every time I go out, it seems like I'm spilling something. Yeah. So recently I got this brand new, well, not brand new, but brand new to me, white shirt with these little tiny blue dots on it. It was a great shirt, pretty good. Uh, but then I got some blue pen on it. Now, thankfully, it was really tiny, right? And it was all these blue dots, so you could barely see it. But I knew where it was when I went and, and wore it around. But then I was eating meatballs, and I got marinara sauce on it, and the red just wouldn't come out, so we had to throw the shirt away. I don't know if you've experienced something like that, but we find ourselves, or at least I find myself, staining my clothes all the time. Well, sometimes we feel like our lives are like this, and our hearts are like this, where there are stains that we have, some stains that only we can see, but also some stains that we feel like everybody around us has to see and has to be looking at. Uh, we, we feel like as Christians, like, okay, we're trying to do the right thing, but yet I feel stained. I feel like I have these things that I don't know how to get rid of them. Right? We're trying to do good, but, but it, it doesn't feel like it's working. And then Jesus says this in Matthew 5. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And we say, that would be really encouraging if I was pure in heart. That would be really encouraging, but I'm not. And so it can be easy to read this and kind of get discouraged and say, that's great for those people out there that are pure in heart, not me, um, but that's great for them. But I want to dig into what Jesus means here and what that looks like. So I'm going to dig in the same way we've been digging into all the other Beatitudes, the two parts, right? First, who is blessed? And second, why are they blessed? So first, who is blessed? Well, blessed are who? What What does it say? The pure in heart. Now, First, that means we're going to figure out, well, what does pure actually mean, right? When you guys hear the word pure or purity, what do you think it means? Like clean. Clean? Yeah, clean. Clean, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, any other words come to mind? Clean is, is a good one. Any other words you can think? Unblemished. Unblemished, yeah. Yeah, unstained, right? Good. Like that white shirt before I got all that stuff on it, right? You might say, yes. Good, clean or unstained. But it's not just blessed are the pure, it's blessed are the pure in heart. And so to understand what Jesus means, we have to understand what he means by heart. Now, we have an understanding in 2022 of what heart means. And the people Jesus was talking to way back when have an understanding of what heart means, and they're not the same. So we need to talk about that. When you think of your heart, what do you think of comes out of your heart? Not in the physical sense, but in the, you know, another sense. What comes from your heart? What would you say? Or what's associated with the heart? Love. Emotions in general. Yeah, emotions in general. Feelings, right? And what comes from the head? Thoughts. Thoughts. Logic. Yeah. And so when we think about heart, we think about the seat of the emotions, right? But that's not how they thought about it back then when the Bible was written. Actually, the heart was where your thoughts mixed with your emotions and mixed with your physical desires and all those things came crashing together. Uh, does anybody know the word confluence? Does anybody know what that means? To, it's a big word. Confluence? Anybody ever heard it? Okay. So when two or more rivers meet together, it's called a confluence. So, for example, my parents live in Paducah, Kentucky, and the Tennessee River and the Ohio River meet up right at downtown. And you can see it. Right? You can actually see the two rivers coming together and becoming one river. Okay? So that's what a confluence is. And the heart, the way that people in the ancient Near East thought about the heart is the same way. It's this mixing of emotion and physical desire and will or your thoughts, and then you move out from actions there. It's not simply emotions. So Jesus is not saying, blessed are you if your emotions are pure. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, blessed are the pure in heart, which is actually much more, and if we're honest, probably even harder. And when he says pure in heart, there are two senses that we sometimes think about, and I think they're helpful to kind of bring them together. One is that inward purity that we talked about, right? Being clean, that our, our desires and the things that we do aren't stained, aren't, aren't wrong, right? But there's also another sense to pure in heart. Uh, when you think pure in heart, is there another sense that comes to your mind? Let's see if anybody is just tracking with me. There's a second sense. If I was to say somebody like a character was pure in heart, besides meaning being unstained, what might I mean? Innocent. Innocence, yeah, yeah. Morally upright. Morally upright. Yeah, and it can also sometimes be used for the idea of their motivation is a single, pure motivation, right? They're motivated by one good thing, and they go after that, right? They're singularly minded. Sometimes when people use the phrase pure in heart, that's also what they can mean. And both of these are, are kind of two sides of the same coin, if you will. Jesus says later, we're not meant to serve two masters. And that's the idea. Being pure in heart is your serving one master. All those rivers are flowing together in your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, and then you're moving out to do one thing. Now, when you think of the phrase pure in heart, sometimes we talk about different characters being pure in heart. What are some characters that you know of or come to your mind when you think pure in heart? Robin Hood. Robin Hood? Yeah. Why would he be pure in heart? Yeah. He steals from the rich and he gives to the poor, right? He's helping people out that don't have anything, right? And there's a purity to that. Yeah. Uh, other characters that come to your mind? Samwise Gamgee. Samwise Gamgee. Yeah, why, why does Sam come to your mind? He's loyal, and he doesn't uh, give up when it's difficult, and he wants justice to be done where there's need, and 
Yeah, he's loyal. He doesn't give up. He's also singularly minded in his mission. He's like, I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to help Frodo do this thing, and I'm going to get it there. Yeah. Anybody else come to mind? Thor. Thor. Yeah. Why, why Thor? Because he helps people who can't defend themselves. Yeah, he helps people that can't defend themselves. Yeah, good. Good. And actually, we'll come back to Thor, so that's a, that's a, that's a good one. To, I, didn't, I didn't tell him to say that, but that's a, that's a good answer. <laughs> um, okay. So we think about these characters as pure in heart, right? Uh, and that kind of gets at what pure in heart might mean. Thinking about like this cleanness, this unstainedness, this singularly minded focus, and of the heart where all these things are mixing together. Now, that's who is blessed, says Jesus. Now, why are they blessed? It says, for they shall see God. So, those who are pure in heart, clearly, they will get to see God. Now, what does that actually mean, right? In the Old Testament, it talks a lot about who's able to actually see God, who's actually able to stand in God's presence, right? And the thing is, it tells us none of us can stand in God's presence and live. Because God is so holy, so pure, so perfect, we are not, and so his holiness would just completely overpower us, right? We are so stained by our disobedience, by our sin, we can't stand in his presence. But there are passages in the Old Testament like Psalm 24, and Psalm 24 asks the question, who can stand in God's presence? And actually this psalm, these verses I'm about to read, are verses that Jesus would have known, and I'm sure would have been on his mind when he said these very words. This is what Psalm 24 says in verses 3 and 4. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will go up to see the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. Right? That's the person who can go up and be in God's presence. That's what it says. Now, I think there's probably a lingering question for us too. Like, okay, why should we want to see God? Now, that might be a question that we're like, I feel like I should want to see God, so maybe I don't want to ask that question. But the question is, why would we want to see God? And let me put it this way. If we don't know how God is going to receive us, or if we think he's going to be angry at us, or if we think we're going to be obliterated by his holiness, we're not going to want to see God, right? But think about it this way. God is the one who created everything. He created you. He created the universe. He knows you better than you know yourself, right? He sees everything. He knows your life backwards and forwards. What if you knew that you could stand in his presence and all that you would get from him is not judgment, but is actually a love greater than anything you've ever known. Right? If you knew that, if you were sure of that, you would want to see God. You would want to see the God that is that powerful, that in control, and yet loves you that much and knows you that well. But sometimes when we think about seeing God, we're like, I don't really know how that might go. doesn't sound like it's going to be good for me. Maybe he's going to be like my parent or my teacher who's, who's angry at me or mad at me. Right? We might not want to see God if that's what we're thinking. But the beauty of seeing God, if you're pure in heart, is you'll be able to see him, and you'll see him for who he is. Uh, there's, there's a lot of times in different movies and TV shows and stories where they have certain things that only certain characters can do. So, for example, Thor's hammer, Mjolnir. Uh, what is the thing about his hammer? Does anybody know? Only those who are worthy can wield it. Yes, only those who are worthy can wield it, Right? So nobody can just go pick up off the street, but only people that are worthy can wield it. And we see who some of those are in the movies. If you know the comics, we see some of those. Uh, is anybody a Dragon Ball or Dragon Ball Z fan in the audience? No. No? Okay. It's, there's a similar thing in, in, that, in that world. There's a thing called a Nimbus Cloud that you can get on, and it will take you wherever you want to go, right? It goes really, really fast. 
But the catch is you have to be pure in heart. And if you're not pure in heart and you get on the cloud, you actually fall through. So you have a bunch of characters try to get on and they just fall right through. But the character of Goku is pure in heart. So he can use the Nimbus cloud and go across. Yeah. Um, but it's a similar thing, right? It's this idea of like, oh, if you're worthy, if, if you're worthy, if you meet the qualifications, you can get this awesome thing, right? Now, if we start to see that, we might ask the question, how can I be pure in heart? How can we be pure in heart, right? If we think about our hearts, where our thoughts are meeting our desires, are meeting our emotions, all these things are coming together, we might quickly say like, okay, I'm going to be honest, I am not singularly minded in my motivation. We sometimes will think that, right? Or we're discouraged because we look at our lives, just like I looked at that shirt and said, there are stains here that I can't get out, that I can't do anything with. As hard as I try, I'm not going to be pure in heart. And so we might get discouraged and say, this is a really great promise for somebody. I don't know who it is, but it's not me, right? But there's more going on here, right? Are we just doomed to have impure hearts and never get to see God? Or if we do get to see God, he's just going to be angry at us. It's just going to be judgment. Well, think about the very one who spoke these words, right? Because Jesus, the very one who spoke these words, was also pure in heart. He, he was singularly focused on doing his father's will. He lived a perfect, obedient, sinless life. His heart was pure. It was unstained. All those things, desires, emotions, thoughts, they all mixed together, and then he took them and worked out what God wanted him to do. The only one who's ever truly been pure in heart is Jesus. He lived a sinless life. Now, the question is, how does that help us, right? If, if Jesus can stand in God's presence, what about us? Well, the beauty is that what Jesus did was he came for us. He went to the cross for us. He took on our impurity. He took on the stain of our sin, as the Bible talks about it. He took that stain upon himself, and he died the death that we deserve. He took the punishment for our sin, our disobedience. And not only did he do that, not only did he die on the cross, but then he rose again, showing God's perfect power. There's an old hymn that says this, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Emmanuel meaning God with us, meaning Jesus. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. So here's the thing. There is power if you believe in Jesus, right? Power working in your heart. The Old Testament talks about it this way. He takes out our hearts of stone and puts instead in hearts of flesh. David in Psalm 51 prays this. He says, create in me a clean heart, O God. That's a prayer that I think we need to pray over and over again. When we're faced with those stains on our lives, when we're faced with that sin, we need to pray to the Lord, create in me a clean heart, because we can't do it on our own. But God, if we believe in Christ, is with us, working in our hearts, has actually given us his spirit to help us. And we don't see God now, but if we believe in Jesus, then we actually will see God one day face to face, because Jesus is God himself. One day we will see God face to face. And in that moment, if we believe in Christ, God will not look at us in anger. Instead, he will look at us with more love than anyone we've ever known. He'll look at us and say, I know you better than know yourself. I know all the things in your life. I know all those stains. I know all those things. But you're mine. You're my child. All because of what Christ has done. Going back to that illustration of the Nimbus cloud, there's, there's a really interesting quirk about that, Right? is, okay, you have to be pure in heart to write it, but actually, if you're not pure in heart, there's a way that you can use it. 
And the only way is if you're holding on to somebody who is pure in heart. So throughout the show, people will hold on to Goku and he'll ride on the cloud and go do whatever he needs to do, right? But the only way to ride on it is by holding on to the person who's pure in heart. And that's the thing. Left to ourselves, left on our own, we are not pure in heart and we can't be. But if we cling to the one who is, that is Jesus, if we hold to him, if we look to him and not to ourselves, if we're with him, we shall see God. And in fact, this is what it says in the New Testament. It says this in 1 John chapter 3 about seeing God. It says this, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You catch that last, that last phrase? And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So even in our hoping to Jesus, even in our clinging to Jesus, we're actually forming ourselves to be singularly minded. We're actually being purified along the way. Until that one day when Christ will return, we shall see him face to face. We will be like him. And we will see him and we will see the love that we have heard so much about, that we actually see it come to pass. And so our hope is not that we can make ourselves pure in heart. Hear me say that, right? The older you get, the more you'll realize, I keep trying to take the stains out of my clothing, right? Like we did the the stain game earlier. We're talking about how do you remove this stain? How do you remove that stain? The only thing that can remove the stains of our sin, the stains of our disobedience is the blood of Christ. That's it. That's the only thing. But the blessed good news is that Christ has come for us and has purified us through his own blood. And that's why he can save us, and we can have hope in it. So when we see this, we have hope that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And as we cling to Jesus, that promise will be true of us too. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the gift that is your son, Jesus. Thank you for his blood shed for us. Thank you for his righteousness that is ours. Thank you that you call us sons and daughters of you. Lord, would you help us to understand what it looks like to live out that purity, that singularness of mind, not looking at ourselves, but looking at you. Thank you for your many blessings. Would you be renewing our hearts by your spirit? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.